The number of traffic accidents on railroad crossings is growing every year, mostly because of risking drivers. Škoda has now presented an app which warns the driver behind the wheel of potential danger even before he arrives to the crossings. In most current Škoda models, you can download the Trafication app directly to the infotainment system. The software evaluates potential danger using the location data of trains, among other things. During this trial period, Škoda is collaborating with the train company Leo Express. How accurate is the app and what other warnings can it provide? Today's guest on the Simply Clever podcast is Michal Vondra from the EEH department at Škoda Auto. My name is Michal Vondra and I work in the EEH department. My responsibilities there include the Trafication app. My name is Wojciech Koval. Technologies and innovations have been my main topic as a journalist for the past few years and this is Simply Clever Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Mr. Vondra, welcome to our Simply Clever podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Today we're going to talk about uh, the Trafication app. We've already tested it. But uh, what exactly can it do? Because you're going to talk mainly about communication with the railway infrastructure. But uh, that's not the only thing it can do. In general, it's an app designed to warn drivers against dangers in nearby traffic. The app warns the driver in the form of notifications on the infotainment screen. And the new version also uses voice notifications. A driver can also notify other drivers using predefined icons in the app. They can sort of feed the app, warn other drivers on the road. But that's not the app's main source of data. The main source is the information submitted by third parties. We gather and integrate it and use it to inform our users. What type of information is it? Uh, you're saying that I can notify others, but uh, you also use data provided by third parties. It's data about accidents, obstructions uh, in the road, uh, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. There's information about accidents, obstructions on the road, parked vehicles, persons walking on the road or animals crossing. Then there's a whole category for severe weather alerts. I mean, this concerns only dangerous weather conditions. Like it's not going to warn you that it might rain or snow in the winter, because those are standard weather conditions. But if the rain is so heavy it might affect safe driving, if the snow is heavy or if there's ice on the road, the app can warn you against it. And for example, road icing, like now when we are recording the podcast. Exactly. Those are the situations it's able to warn you against. 
situace by vás to mělo varovat. To znamená, jak když to uh, schrnu. To sum it up, it is the type of information drivers are used to getting, but uh, it's usually provided by different sources. You can hear it from the radio, some navigation apps are able to send these alerts, uh, some apps allow you as a driver to warn others. But your app is able to gather all this data in one place and present it to a driver in a transparent way. That's right. Now that you mention it, our app doesn't really depend on users' activity. Meaning if users don't enter any data in the app, we'll still be able to provide information for drivers. Because we integrate sources of information provided by third parties. Unlike one particular app, App, I'm not going to name it. This particular app depends solely on its users' activity. Yes, if drivers don't enter data, there's no data in the app. Exactly, it works here in Czechia. Czech drivers are active. Once you cross the border, German or Austrian drivers are much less active, and the app doesn't have that much information. Here, the app has the data. How did you get the idea to create this central kind of uh, alert app? We got this idea when we introduced the third generation of infotainment. It opened the space for introducing or developing apps for customers that can in some way improve their automotive user experience. Which is why there are more ideas for different apps we've been developing simultaneously with Traffication. It was actually my predecessor who came up with Traffication, and I took it over in the early stages of development. The original idea was to build the app on direct car-to-car communication. Unfortunately, this communication system was put on hold at Škoda. So it's built on communicating in a car-to-network system, where a car communicates with or through a network. But it means not only that the app must be able to communicate, but it also must have a counterpart, a third party that returns the data to you in some way. That's right. But since cars nowadays, all the modern cars, have the equipment and are always online, they're equipped with the communication technology and connected in or through a cellular network, so they can easily provide this type of data. That's what you suggested when you mentioned the third infotainment generation that modern Škoda cars can do it. Exactly. You cooperate with Leo Express. Uh, what kind of data do you exchange? What type of information do they give to you? It's kind of a test run with Leo Express now. It's the first train provider, a railway company, that we've worked with. It periodically sends us information about its train's positions. And we enter the positions into our backend in the cloud, where it's evaluated using a predictive algorithm. We basically calculate where any particular train will be after some time. We apply these calculations to railway crossings the train is approaching, like where it can be, for example, in one minute. We issue warnings for these crossings and we map the area around them, meaning we identify cars coming close to the crossings. Then we send alerts to these cars. The drivers will get notified 
they'll be read a warning of a train approaching. So the data go to a backend first and then the backend issues a warning. That's right. The backend makes the evaluation. It determines the relevance, like to which cars the warning is relevant, which cars should be alerted. And it's those that will be notified. This may actually be the perfect solution, uh, much better than for the data in layman terms uh, to fly around in the air and cars would need to process them on their own. In this way, uh, there's a direct connection between the company's information and you as the service provider. The subsequent distribution is pretty simple because, as you said, the car communication system is already working. Yes, and again, it's built on the car network or train network communication. The train communicates directly with the cloud. The car also communicates with or through the cloud where the whole logic of the app is placed. This is where relative positions are evaluated. This is the key of the app. That's the know-how, the essence of it. What I'm going to say now may be pretty obvious. Uh, this means that apart from the need to have a younger generation of infotainment, a car also needs to be connected to the internet. Uh, it must have a built-in Wi-Fi hotspot. Yes, the Trafication app is available for cars with the most advanced infotainment, that is Amundsen and Columbus, with some models. Because cars not only need to be connective, their infotainment must be powerful enough to be able to run the app. You already said that uh, your system later chooses what is relevant for particular cars. I guess it's essential for the system not to overwhelm the user. For example, if I drive along the railway and I pass a crossing, I don't want to get notifications that are pointless because I'm going in a different direction anyway. This is the relevance. This is what we evaluate in the back end. However, it's much more complicated because the app is fully automized. Once you install it, it runs automatically in the background, searching or checking whether there's some data or warnings available for this particular car. And actually, since a user doesn't enter anything in the app, we don't know their exact route, and some warnings may not be entirely relevant. But the algorithm takes it into account too, trying to eliminate the issue. We try to work with movement prediction, we try to calculate where cars will be going, so that we really target only the most relevant ones. This means you need to read a car's location data even if the navigation is turned off, right? Uh, you must be able to get the information like what direction a car is going or if it's going to cross a railroad crossing. Exactly. And if we evaluate that there's a railway crossing on the way, that the car might cross it when taking a turn because there's a railway along the road and the car might get there once it starts turning, we notify the driver while they're still on the main road, before they take a turn. But if there's a railway crossing a bit further, the notification doesn't show before the driver takes a turn. The point is, the driver must be warned in advance. 
If they get an alert immediately before the crossing or right at the crossing, then it's too late. We've tried it in reality and we chose an unprotected railroad crossing for it. I assume this is the main use case, a crossing without any barrier. Otherwise, it's not so pressing uh, to inform the driver. Or does it work with protected uh, railroad crossings too? In the test run so far, it works with all railroad crossings, and we presume we'll keep the feature for all of them. There are several reasons for it. For example, a protected railroad crossing in Czechia means a crossing with nothing but warning lights. There may not be any barriers and it's already seen as protected. A driver can easily overlook the lights or the sound warning. It happens quite often. Or they ignore it. Or they ignore it. By showing the warning on the screen or announcing the warning, we use another way to warn drivers, to alert them. But accidents do happen also on railroad crossings with barriers too. And these are much more serious because trains or traffic in general are much more dynamic there, much faster. Which is why the app warns of these crossings too. I can imagine that it could have a huge impact if you engaged uh, other transport companies uh, and their data. Because the thing is, sometimes when you're approaching a railroad crossing, the barrier is still up, only the lights are flashing and you tend to be like, I can still make it, uh, I know this crossing. It is kind of an emergency break. You're absolutely right. And there's a high number of accidents on railroad crossings, namely on those not protected by barriers, like here in Czechia. Besides, these accidents are usually, or very often, fatal. So the app is another way of protecting drivers. Do you have any idea if you could uh, get such data from other transport companies? With some companies, we're already in the phase of integrating their source data. With some, we've been negotiating the way we could access their data. Another issue we deal with is that it's not standard for Czech trains to be equipped with a tracking system that could regularly send information about their position. A train leaves a station and nobody knows where it's going. Of course, there's a timetable saying when the train is supposed to arrive, but nobody's tracking its precise position. This is one of many problems we're dealing with. We can't use this type of warning here because of our back end. So cars don't know that there's a train approaching. There's one more thing that crossed my mind. Uh, what would happen if you wanted to spread the system outside Czechia? Even in our country, with trains that are already followed or tracked, is the data anyhow unified? Can you use it all or would you need to choose? Uh, this is the way it's done in Germany. We must change the system. It's not entirely unified. Even with the data that we've actually been integrating, the formats vary. But this is one of the back-end features. It unifies and unites data readability. And above all, it evaluates the data. The predictive algorithm does the calculations. But getting the data in one or other format, that's not too much trouble.
Jenom bleskl hlavou, že to musí být jako uchvatná. I just thought that it must be amazing computing capacity to deal with it. It's probably not so overwhelming now in the test run, but you will need huge amounts of data to be applied uniformly later on. Yes, that's right. We have several dozen trains from Leo Express now, and we already issue hundreds of warnings every day. Actually, I think we issue over a thousand warnings on a daily basis. And these are only the warnings actually shown in the cars. We're not talking about marked railroad crossings. Of course, positions are always evaluated. If there's a train approaching, but the warning isn't relevant for any car nearby, the warning isn't sent. So yeah, there are many more alerts emerging than end up getting sent. We don't really need to get into programming details. Uh, I'm more interesting to hear about it from the point of view of the user interface. Uh, I'd like to hear about how you were looking for the right way to inform drivers. Because there are several options a car can use. You mentioned something like a voice warning. How difficult was it to come up with uh, what a warning should show and what it should look like? I'd say that this was one of the major issues. Of course, we want to give the driver an important piece of information. We want them to take it in. However, we can't distract the driver for a longer period of time. Therefore, we had to focus on making the information as brief as possible and at the same time as informative as possible. Another thing that we were dealing with was relevance, meaning an evaluation of for whom the information is important and for whom it's not. A good example is a warning of going in the wrong direction. If you enter a highway in the wrong direction, the app evaluates it, warns you to pull over and simultaneously sends warnings to all the drivers coming towards you. These are the drivers that would be in danger if you kept driving or if they didn't see you at the side of the road. In this particular case, we discussed how to target the warning with traffic experts. It's vital that we don't spread the information based on distance from the location. We must target only the drivers that are approaching this, if I may, wrongdoer. Otherwise, we could make the situation worse, trigger a panic reaction. Someone's driving towards me, even though it's completely irrelevant. Yeah, I start panicking and who knows how I'm going to react. Exactly. That's why we target strictly and only the drivers nearby, namely coming closer to that particular driver. Yeah, it must be informative enough to let you know what's going on, but at the same time it can't scare drivers. Like I'm doing 130 kilometers per hour on the highway, Suddenly there's a huge red warning sign. I get scared, hit the brakes and eventually cause a much worse problem. That's right. This is a warning saying that in your direction, on the way from this exit to that exit, there's a driver in the wrong direction. It's a simple warning that you can easily evaluate yourself. Yes, it concerns me. Yes, I'm close to the exit. Then you can start reacting. Of course, this targeting doesn't entirely eliminate a possible panic reaction, but we try to limit the risk by targeting solely those who might be in danger. 
Okay, so we've talked about trains, you've mentioned wrong way driving, and we've discussed different traffic issues. What is it that a car can do now and what will it possibly be able to do in the future? Mm-hmm. As I said, apart from weather alerts, traffic jam ahead warnings, obstacle in the road or parked vehicle warnings, we or cars themselves are able to send out a warning in case it becomes a dangerous obstacle. Like when a driver pulls over and turns on warning lights. We get the information just by the turning on of the lights, without having to enter any data in the app. Yes, a car pulled over here, and we can warn other drivers against this particular car. Apart from this automatic warning, we use another warning of reduced visibility. This alert is detected based on the turning on of fog lights. Again, the logic behind this is that if a user turns on fog lights and there are more drivers doing it in a certain area, we start sending out warnings to other users, saying that there's probably something going on in the area, that the visibility is reduced. Yeah, I understand. One person turning on fog lights isn't enough, but if everyone is driving the road with fog lights on, you'll get notified. Exactly. You see, there are still so many drivers who are happy to go over the whole country with fog lights on, even though the weather is sunny and beautiful. So we have this taken care of. (laughs) Let's take a look further in the future. As you mentioned earlier, the trend nowadays is more like car-to-infrastructure and not car-to-car as we expected a couple of years ago. This means that in the future, as we now speak about receiving data from railway companies, cars could receive data from other parts of the infrastructure. In general, it could also be traffic lights, information signs on highways, uh, and so on. There is this continuous stream of data, and such data could stream also to the cars. That's right. But direct communication will work under one condition, which is that a car must be sufficiently equipped with a new communication module. Current cars don't enable this feature, which is one of the reasons traffication uses this type of car-to-end communication, car-to-network, where it communicates with the network. Of course, as soon as cars are equipped with a module enabling them to communicate directly, other cars will become the source. One of the typical use cases usually presented in this context is panic braking. If you drive in a platoon and the first driver hits a brake, this communication lets your car know that the first car is braking even before you're able to notice its brake lights. As a result, your car will not only be able to warn you, but will also be able to brake autonomously. If you end up in a situation when a collision is inevitable, your car will be able to react again, for example by tightening the seatbelts, preparing the car for the collision. And above all, you'll be able to communicate directly with the infrastructure. Your car will be able to gather information from, for example, smart traffic lights. You'll not only see the current phase of the lights, meaning you'll be told how long the green light's going to last, but you'll also be given advice about the speed. Your car will tell you, yes, step on it, do 50, you'll make it. Or, no, it's pointless here, feel free to slow down, because you can't make it. The light will turn red soon. I have one more question. I mean, 
I know it's kind of provocative, but how much of a purely piece of advice and recommendation is it going to be? Or will it simply tell you, hey man, you can't make the green light even if you break the rules, so <laughs> take it easy and, and slow down. The recommendation or this whole communication is a step towards autonomous driving, meaning driving where a driver is no longer needed. What I want to say is that if a car can do this, or if a car is able to get information from its surroundings, both from the infrastructure and other cars, if it can cooperate with the others and make joint maneuvers, etc., then it won't be about the driver anymore, which is a good thing. This means, yes, you'll be notified, you can't make the green light, your car starts slowing down automatically, and you basically don't have to do anything at all. Okay, I'm actually looking forward to it. Let's get back to trafficization once again. What else would you like to teach the app? Uh, what is it, the further development you're planning? Not so long ago, we introduced another fourth version, and we're already working on the fifth version. We're naturally planning on extending the current warnings, for example, by involving new railway companies. As I mentioned earlier, we're already working on the integration of some companies, and we've been negotiating with others. In the future, we'd like to extend the app to the whole range of Škoda cars, because right now we only have petrol and hybrid models covered. Therefore, the Enyaq is the one missing for us to be complete, and we want to expand to the Enyaq next year. Moreover, we deal with the company's interest or some of our company's interest. As I said, cars themselves aren't the main source of our information, but the more cars there are, the more information we can gather. So we're going this way too. Okay, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, thank you too. That was today's episode of the Simply Clever podcast. If you'd like to see the new Fabia RS Rally 2, you can find the video version of our podcast on the Škoda YouTube channel or go to skoda-storyboard.com for the photos of the latest rally special. For previous episodes of the Simply Clever podcast, go to simplycleverpodcast.com. The new episode will be published in two weeks. Until then, take care and if you happen to be driving, drive safely.